hey, you know what I believe? I believe every single person can make a difference and that we all have something amazing to offer the world. I believe in standing up for what matters and in putting one foot in front of the other. I believe courage is way more important than confidence and I'm addicted to seeing people break through what they once thought they couldn't. And that's why I started this podcast. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that anything's possible. I want you to find the courage to stand up and do your thing. Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where your courageous life starts. Hey there, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. You know, I I so often hear that young people can't make a difference. And, oh, God, I'm going to call BS on that. I wrote the book Magnificent Kids because I absolutely believe in future generations, and particularly Gen Z, because, by geez, they're not going to put up with anything. They're not going to tolerate all the crap in the world, and they are really putting their foot down to start demanding things change in this world. My guest today, Kasha, is amazing. At 16, she decided, you know, well, at 14, actually, I've had enough of this bad news. I'm going to start sharing good news and really making a difference in the world. And at 16, she went and did something special. She is still doing amazing stuff now at 21. So you've got to hear this interview. It is absolutely fantastic. Let me tell you about it. Kasia Sequoia-Slavna is a Gen Z, multi-award winning first-time documentary filmmaker who comes to the profession as a seasoned photographer, entrepreneur and social justice advocate for over a decade. She was only 16 years old when she set out across the world for six months to make the Sunrise Storyteller documentary, which has been screened at 60 plus festivals and won 30 awards. Wow. Using her passion for visual storytelling to make the world a better place, she was selected as the recipient of the very first Kim Fook Youth Award for Peace. In addition, Kasia was selected for the Class of 2017 Global Teen Leaders for the We Are Family Foundation, TEDx Teen, the We Global Learning Centre's new social entrepreneurship program for global changemakers and as a Unison Youth Fellow. Kasia recently became a Diana Award holder for sustaining positive social change in the memory of Diana, Princess of Wales, among many more remarkable and notable achievements. She's a climate ambassador of the Global Youth Climate Network and a liaison for the One Better World Collective, as well as an 11-time UN Youth Delegate, presenter, adjudicator, and longtime member of the Canadian Voice of Women for Peace. She's a frequent public speaker and is an accredited expert for the Women's Media Centre, a non-profit co-founded by Gloria Steinman, Jane Fonda and Robin Morgan. In addition, Kasia tours with a 32-piece photography exhibition, Travels into the Heart, and has completed a second large-scale exhibit about sustainable development goal number 16, which is Peace, Justice and Strong Institutions. She has been commissioned by National Geographic Learning, is a contributor to Thrive Global, The Huffington Post, Good Magazine, Matador Network, and appeared on several podcasts. Currently, Kasia is in development with her second feature documentary, 1.5 Degrees of Peace, which is fiscally sponsored by the Redford Centre. 
Oh, welcome, Kasha. That's exhausting. All of your <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I know it's quite it's quite a list. <laughs> oh, I was reading through it, thinking to myself, how does a person of just twenty one years of you're still only twenty one, aren't you? Twenty one. <laughs> Recently turned 23. Maybe I need to update my bio on the web. Oh, maybe you do, because I've just I've just read out all that stuff, said you're 21, but that's all right. Anyone listening now, we know now know she's 23. Regardless, 21, 23, how do you, how I don't even know how you fitted all that stuff in because you're it's unbelievable. Like I believe it, but it's incredible. Are you exhausted? Thank you. I mean, sometimes, sometimes, yeah, it's a lot of, it is a lot of work, um, but it's work that I love. Um, so exhausted sometimes, energized most times. Yeah, I was, to, I was listening to another podcast the other day, uh, people were talking about that. And yeah, they talk about work life balance, and, mm-hmm. and, and how it's just so um, incorrect, because if you're doing all this work that you love, you know, and it energizes you, it's actually it is part of your life, you know, and it's an enjoyable part of your life. So I, I agree with that. And sometimes um, I'm very like in terms of activism work and, you know, my own work, I'm very strict with myself in terms of boundaries um, and, you know, finding things that fuel me outside of my work life, because although this is such an integral part of who I am, the documentary filmmaking and the activism, I really want to nurture the parts of myself that exist outside of my work life. Um, so, wow. this, so external hobbies and, you know, I've developed quite a few over the pandemic as I'm sure most people have. Yeah. See guys, see how mature she is. Cause I'm 58 and I still haven't learned to do that. And she's only 23 and she's already learned to set boundaries. So <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's amazing. But now your, your life is so interesting. I mean, when we say your life, it sounds like you're 60, but you, you're not, you're so young and yet so much has transpired, you know, throughout this life. And, there's, there's often, when I talk to people, there's often a, a kind of feeling or an assumption, I guess, that um, people that are doing what you're doing were born with a bit of a silver spoon in their mouth and build from, you know, born into um, money and born into privilege and that sort of stuff. I'm not saying everybody says that, but a lot of people say that to me. And and most often that's actually the opposite. You know, there's there's been quite a bit of hardship at the start to really, um, I guess there have been that, kind of adverse situations that have triggered, oh, hang on, what is important to me and who who am I? And so I was watching, you've got a, if it, you, you guys need to see this, it's a YouTube, a YouTube clip called uh, Mission Possible that Kasia recorded and it, it talks about, you know, her background, but clearly we're not going to play it now. We, I'd rather you talk about it, but tell us about your childhood and, you know, like, you know, a few things that happened and, how, how this how it led to you being where you are now mm-hmm. um well I've grown up since I was three with my single mom um her and I left kind of an abusive relationship um to my biological father and um you know we we struggled with money growing up um and you know I think that that was a big influencing factor in the way that I thought about a lot of social issues, but also, you know, my mom is a very strong social justice advocate in her own right. Um, and so she 
raised me with a lot of strong opinions and and very deep rooted morals. Um, and being an only child, you know, I would kind of by nature of not being able to find a babysitter or pay for a babysitter would just end up at a lot of her social gatherings, um, not always understanding, but absorbing conversations that happened around me about social justice issues, women's rights, the environment. Um, and so I think that that kind of really helped me solidify my values from a very young age. Um, and I've always been, although kind of sometimes teased or bullied for my very strong beliefs, I've always held to my convictions and I've always been like un unapologetically myself. And, you know, even if I struggle to fit in, I've like, I've always been just very true to my true to those values that I grew up with. Um, and so I think that those were some early catalysts for the kind of work that I that I do to this day. Wow. And that's, I also, you know, in that in that uh, YouTube clip, you talk about going to a, a, an affluent school and, you, you know, living in an affluent community, but you were not, you know, in, in that category, but you still were, were within it. And that you used to buy thrift clothes, you know, from op shop. We call it op shop here, you know. Yeah. And uh, and and part of that was, you know, part of that was money, but also part of that was, well, I'm doing my bit, you know, to to make the world a better place. And but you were, you know, criticised by the kids at school for doing that. And there's this great story you talk about, and I want to hear it in your words because beautiful. You used to cross a football field every day with your mum you know and what did she used to say to you because this is beautiful yeah um so school school for me came became kind of a tough space to exist in and continue to be unapologetically myself when I'm sure a lot of kids can relate to this one you know being yourself is kind of made to seem not okay or made to seem different or strange um so you know, it would always kind of strike up a lot of anxiety when me kind of walking into school for the day, not, not always knowing what to expect. I mean, I had like, I had friends, I had, you know, good bits and bad bits, but um, on the days or weeks where I was particularly struggling, um, my mom started to make this practice where, um, you know, we'd have to cross the big football field before entering school from the back, back lot. Um, and if it were a nice sunny day, we would always pause in the middle and just kind of take a mo moment of mindfulness, um, tilt our heads up towards the sun, kind of like sunflowers is the way that I described it. Um, and she would just tell me to pause and take the sun in my soul and like carry the energy of hope and warmth throughout the rest of my day um, so that I could make the most of every situation. Um, and it's something that I still, you know, carry through with me to this day yeah wow and it was that did that work like that was did that really fill your soul for the day and you felt great about yourself I mean at least for a moment you know it wasn't yeah. it wasn't always like it would it would you know be a band-aid to everything but at least it was like starting the day on a on a positive note um and so you know I may have felt other feelings throughout the day, but at the next day there would be another chance to take the sun in my soul. Yeah. soul. So, yeah. um, you know, I think it really helped. 
Yeah. And I always say that the way you start your day, you, you know, determines the outcome. It's, if you start it good, it, it is usually better. So I absolutely love that. And, but despite your mum saying all that and despite you being such a, you know, t- taking on all your mum's social justice stuff. And, and and when I say that, I don't mean that you copied your mum because you're your own no. person and you've got your own your own set of morals, and your own set of values and your own beliefs and your own um, importances. You know, this is important to me and I really want it to change. But, you know, so you, did you get to a point as a teenager where you felt hopeless or helpless? You felt like I'm only one person. I you know, I want to change the world. I want to make a difference, but I just feel completely squashed. Did did you reach that point? Yeah, I think that there's, I mean, there's multiple points where I, you know, sometimes you can, you can feel overwhelmed by the scale of everything that's happening in the world, especially with the, the way the news cycle works is, you know, you're so immersed in in one particular issue for a very short period of time and then disappears from the cycle. It's not interesting enough. It's not sellable. Like it's not shocking enough. And then something else comes up and, you know, you're completely immersed in that. And sometimes it can feel a bit like you're, you're being pulled under a tidal wave, just seeing everything happening and feeling like, okay, I'm only just a kid. Like I have no power to change any of this. Um, And as somebody who struggles with mental health issues, like that started to really spark a lot of anxiety Um, for me, seeing and caring about the world and feeling a bit hopeless and overwhelmed sometimes, um, especially living. I mean, I live with privilege. I'm, you know, lucky to live in North America. I'm lucky to have a roof roof over my head. I am, you know, uh, born being a white, you know, cis woman. There's a lot of levels of privilege that I have, but also... I really care for the suffering of others um, and, you know, care for the rest of the world, not just my own, you know, immediate surroundings. Um, So, you know, witnessing everything unfold, like climate change intensifying, you know, women's rights kind of being under question in certain countries, like racial inequalities, a lot of that, it really does add up as a kid. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, it didn't squash it. Sometimes it it makes you reflect and pause and take a moment and a step back. But, you know, I've always been very active in my own community. So I just tried to contribute locally where I could, um, yeah. you know, in early high school. Um, so whether that was my school social justice club or, you know, independent fundraising efforts through like my own kind of businesses, like selling photography cards, yeah. um, to fundraise for local charities, I still tried to do what I, what I could to contribute positively. Um, So, you know, not completely squashed, but sometimes a little bit um, trampled on. Yeah, I think we all feel like that too. It's yeah because all of all of us world changes are um, you know we're very gung ho and we've got a lot of energy and we we put it all towards it. But there, we all have moments where we're like, oh. Well, what's the point? But I think the older you get, and, and perhaps you've already got there, I think you're far more mature than me. And a lot of my friends would tell you that, would say that too. Karen, she's way more mature than you. Um, <laughs> but that's what keeps me young, <laughs> behaving like a kid. Um, but I think I think you've got to uh, understand your own cycles, you know, in that yeah. and say, well, at the moment I'm, you know, I'm going through one of those phases where I'm feeling a bit helpless. So I'm not going to give up. 
I'm just going to take a rest for a couple of weeks um, because when you're talking about even as a kid, all those um, news issues and everything else get to you as a kid, but they also get to you as an adult. You know, you get to a point where you're just like, I, I can't, there's too much happening in the world and it's just, you know, I don't. I never watch the news because I just can't stand it. I, it's, it's just all negative, negative, negative. But I do get alerts. I'm, you know, I do get New York Times um, emails and and I see all the stuff and I just think, oh my god. But you do have to have those moments where you just stop and say, I'm taking a week out because I my brain just can't can't do take this crap anymore now and you sort of you know I know you at 14 or something got to a point where you're like I'm just so sick of this bad news just on and on on you talked about these news cycles and then we all know the media they do that they hype us you know they 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 you know if if we're not biting anymore they find the next big thing and the next big thing and and they just totally bombard us but what was the catalyst that made you say enough's enough I you know I need to go and do something different and what what was that um so I would say I mean it's kind of my origin story so to speak but um when I first attended a I went to a summer peace camp with a feminist peace organization here for youth um and I learned a lot about you know peace disarmament feminist movements like um I learned a lot from very wise older women and young women as well who were older than me at the time um, about kind of the issue of peace. Um, And, you know, that was a really, that was something that sparked a passion in me, but um, really the, the main catalyst was the opportunity that this peace camp opened up for me was I was able to, then attend their youth delegation to the United Nations uh, Commission on the Status of Women, which is a um, femin- which is a sorry gender equality conference at the UN uh, every year, and it was my first time really you know traveling to the US. It was my first time meeting people from communities all around the world um, and hearing their stories in person and like speaking with and connecting with and like learning so much from people who were all trying to lobby for or fight for change in their own communities. Um, And I heard kind of what challenges they were faced with, but also what stuck out to me was their fierce, like determined spirit um, to overcome any of the adversities that they were facing. Um, Because there really is like, there really is no other way to kind of fuel, fuel your, your want for change other than to like actually really want to change things so I I kind of it resonated with me and I'd never you know done anything on on such a big scale that was like more global and I I kind of reflected on the talents that I had or the passions or the hobbies which was like storytelling um and you know photography at the time so I was like hmm maybe if people could hear these kinds of stories they would also feel like that same motivation that I'm starting to feel to to contribute to making positive change. Um, And that's kind of how my idea for the Sunrise Storyteller, which was my first feature documentary, um, that's how that was born. Yeah. So I want to hear about that. I'm just going to say one thing first. It's amazing when you get, when you're around um, like-minded people, you know, when when you're gathering in groups of people that have got the same intent, you know, different projects, but the same intent, it, it actually 
it, it's it's what you need, isn't it? You know, it's that, that thing. Yeah. It's like, wow, wow, wow. I'm so energized. I'm so fueled. You know, I've got all these people, and you don't feel isolated anymore because when you're trying to change the world, make a better, make the world a better place, it can be really isolating. You know, because there's the individual pockets of well, pockets of individuals sort of just making change. But when you come together in something like that, the energy is just, it rises like, it kind of just picks your soul up and just take carry, throws, actually throws you forward, you know, with this massive big force. So and you met all these women and, you know, it was really inspiring. You talked about your photography and all the things that you're really already good at, you know, that you're already passionate about. And so just then you talked about, you know, this was the inspiration for you making the Sunrise Storyteller, which you decided to pack up, you know, and travel around the world. So, you know, like, tell us what, what was it? I know that you said it was your photography, but what was it that you went, oh, I've got to travel to do this because you could have done it in your community, but you wanted to launch even further. So what sparked that idea of heading off around the world? I think it was really just meeting people from, those communities around the world that I'd never been to in person Um, and kind of having that background knowledge in my mind of like the way media portrays those communities is completely it's not entirely accurate like yes media reports on the issues that are happening but sometimes maybe they play up on stereotypes or Mm -hmm. um, narratives that really don't like serve the full truth. Um, and maybe sometimes they're a little bit one-sided. Um, and so hearing, you know, the scale of the issues that were happening from women in their own communities, but also seeing the ways that they were trying to contribute to the betterment of those causes, that Mm. was what inspired me to say, there's another narrative that's missing and hopefully like through a nut, through a different kind of media, they can share their own stories. I really didn't want to tell people stories. I wanted, you know, being or the fact that I'm coming from a completely different place. I don't have the the understanding of a community that somebody living in that community might. I wanted to just help bring the stories to life through a media vessel uh, that was more positive in nature and that was more focused on, you know, not just kind of blind optimism, like, oh, everything is perfect and everything is solved and everything is fixed. It's like, okay, these are the struggles. Like I've said before that I think the most empowering stories show you the struggles that people have been through or are still facing. Um, But also, you know, showing the opportunities for action and also showing the ways that people are doing good things despite those adversities. Um, So it's not just, you know, a puppy is discovered alive <laughs> under like a, a ton of rubble, but like it's, you know, this person has faced war and they are helping become an advocate for peace. Like that's kind of, I guess, difference to me. So um, I just really wanted to present those, those stories to the world as well. Oh, and they are fantastic stories. If guys, if this is a it's a fantastic movie, but um, or documentary, I shouldn't say movie because movies are a little bit dramatic, but documentary is <laughs> way, way more truthful. But you know, when you um, so you come from like a, a not not a very wealthy background, and you know you're going to take six months off, and you you just say to your mum, mum, I'm going overseas for six months, and you know like. 
One, what's your mum's reaction to that? And uh, because a 16-year-old girl doesn't just traipse off to South Africa, do you, you know, and God knows where and think think that you're going to be perfectly safe, like there where's a lot of issues in that. But also, where, how do you fund that? How, does, how do you even get the money to do that? So what did you do to do that? So first reaction was, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> um, so do you know how much work that's actually going to take? And which I said no. And I never, ever, ever would have estimated how much, it, <laughs> how many <laughs> thousands and thousands of hours that something like this would take. I just kind of wanted to tell the stories I, you know, any way possible. Um, and then the onus was on me to continue to do the convincing and to continue to find the ways that we were going to raise the money. Um, and crowdfunding obviously has been successful um, for many business ventures. Um, I've also, at the time, I also saw it recently being used for documentary fundraising. Um, so I enrolled us, I mean, I enrolled us in like a little course about how to crowdfund and I, we put together our first campaign um, on Indiegogo. Um, and then <laughs> we didn't actually raise the, all the money um, to return home, but I had already <laughs> taken the time off school. So there was no option for me, but to go with my mom because she wouldn't let me go alone and I wouldn't have wanted to either. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we set off and we did two more campaigns from, from our travels to get home uh, yeah. safely. So that's, and then um, we received a small grant upon returning to complete the film. So yeah, uh, yeah that was kind of the process. Oh, that's fantastic. And your mum is actually a movie producer. She's a, you know, film producer. So I'm um, the perfect person to take with you, actually. Yeah. <laughs> now she is. She is oh. because I made her one. <laughs> oh, she wasn't then. <laughs> No, she had her, she had her background in like publication, you know, yeah. uh, sponsorships uh, and consultant consulting, which is a very different medium. Um, so yeah, she, she and I both became filmmakers through doing this project. <laughs> Neither of us had the knowledge beforehand. Well, that's fantastic. But your mum's uh, prior job would have been very helpful anyway with, with this sort of stuff. But yeah, uh, that's fantastic. And then so on your 16th birthday, you left and you landed in Africa. Um, you know, what, what was the feeling when you landed there? Did you, Were you thinking, oh, my God, what have I done? You know, how are we going to pull this off? Or were you like, wow, the start of a journey? Both. Both yeah. feelings were present because... Um, again, fly by the seat of our pants. Um, we didn't um, choose the subjects before we traveled. We just had our starting destination and then everything else was planned along the way. Wow. Um, so yeah, there was a sense of how am I going to pull this off? And every day I wake up, you know, continually on this project. It's a sense of how am I going to pull this off? <laughs> um, All of us are like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um at that time, I was, you know, very excited because I've never really seen the much of the world before. Um, and so it was all very new and exciting. And I really, I really, I think I'm fully myself when I'm traveling. Um, and so it was really a journey of self-discovery as well um, as kind of discovering these stories along the way. 
Yeah, I think travel is, you know, I, I'm not a big proponent of school. I think that the education system is completely, um, you, we do need to learn some of the stuff, you know, we do need to learn to read and write and all that kind of stuff, but I, it, it really doesn't suit a, a big chunk of people, you know, and I think travelling is where you learn, you truly learn to be to understand yourself and to to build empathy, you know, to to have a, a different perspective on things. I think it's fantastic. What was the most Im impactful story or the most impactful like person you met that really sort of shifted something in you? I mean, I'm sure they all did, but something that you couldn't get out of your mind or out of your heart. Um, one person I'm very very, you know, moved by his story and his work um, is a man named Juma. Uh, who I met in South Africa. So one of my first weeks being on the trip, um, we met him through kind of the tourism industry um, because he he ran tours of um, some of the townships um, in South Africa, um, like art tours. So he would run tours of like all the murals that there were um, and take people into local homes and get people to know the culture um, of the community that he had been living in. Um, but he was originally from Zimbabwe. Uh, and when he first immigrated to South Africa, there were xenophobic attacks. So mm -hmm. um, because he had immigrated from another country, um, there was, he had to uh, move to a refugee camp for a few months. And he thought about, you know, some of the causes of xenophobia. And he thought of, you know, there being a lack of togetherness and a lack of love and a lack of, you know, knowledge about other cultures. And so he decided that something that he loves so dearly, which is art and something that he creates, which is art could be a tool to unite people. Um, and so he started some programs for children in the community of Kailicha, uh, which was where he was living at the time uh, to engage them in art and dance and music and, um, you know, help bring people together and also give them a passion that helps them carry through tough times as well. Um, and so that's one of the stories that really, really inspires me. Um, and, yeah. you know, we were able to return back to South Africa to screen the film in 2018. Um, and he had grown his, his, you know, business from being the sole person um, operating these tours and programs uh, to now employing 11 people. Wow. Um, it's really like, he's really grown his business and I think he's made such an impact in the community. Um, and also he, at the time they were starting this like art center for his organization. So people could like out of shipping containers, they had this multi-level stacked like center where you could have a recording studio, a painting studio, you know, facilities for kids to come and use and cultivate their talent. Um, so that was really exciting to see as well. Wow, that is fantastic. And and this this same guy, you know, was um, set up, gave back, you know, set up this art, all this artwork in the same town mm -hmm. as he was attacked in, you know, he, rather than a lot of a lot of people you know and I can't even say that I wouldn't be would be um resentful bitter you know you know and really uh, defensive and, and in really in survival mode about you know uh, being attacked in that town but he completely flipped it on his head and said well I want to love the same people that attacked me and that's uh, I, I find that 
you, you know, that's that's an incredible soul, you know, who can do that. And you hear a lot about that, you know, like even from the, you know, the um, Holocaust and that, you know, people have, have turned around like that. And I think that's the ultimate in healing your own soul, but I also think it's the ultimate in, you know, courage and big steps because as a human being where we've got a negative bias, you know, and we, we've, we're quite fragile, even though we like to be tough, you know, and I think that for a person to do that, that's, that's the ultimate, you know, in strength. I, I, I love that story too. I, I, I was in tears watching his part of it. I thought, how, how can you, how can you love the people that hurt you? And I, you know, and I reflected on that and I thought yeah, a lot of people do, and it just is takes, it takes so much to do that. So I think he's, um, now, see, I'm bloody tearing up now. Now we need to stop. <laughs> but no, I'm not ashamed of crying. I'm a big, I'm the biggest sucker, I know. But, um, <laughs> oh, I just think he's a wonderful man. And I'm so glad that it's it's grown. And I'm so glad, you know, that it's he's he's getting momentum with such a wonderful thing. How did you meet the people? Did you you said you didn't you know, pre-organize anything? Like, did you just stumble upon people or how did, how did that happen? Yeah, so it was kind of funny. Um, a lot of the way we did the South Africa leg of the trip was through um, meeting people through their sustainable fair trade uh, tourism organization um, because we used to belong to a local, you know, travel travel bloggers, writers, kind of social media people um, meetup group here so there were connections that saw themselves reflected in communities in South Africa too um and then when we were looking to move on to other countries we just kind of googled and reached out to nonprofit organizations um in the communities we were seeking to travel to um and you know the people who reached back out to us just turned out to be the right people um Mm. and there were actually like it was kind of a small world like um one person who we met in um, Tanzania, uh, Kareem, actually turned out to be from Toronto as well and uh-huh. had been coming to uh, Tanzania the same week that we were and the same day even. So, you know, he was running um, the organization from Toronto, but would come back to, you know, do maintenance and checks and, you know, spend some time in, in the community. Uh, so it just turned out that like, we had these chance encounters where people would, um, you know, share a lot of commonalities with us or, um, you know, we just kind of fall into the right places. It, it seems like such a strange way to like, people always kind of ask me how, how they too can, you know, go out and find stories. And I wish I had a better answer for them, but we were just kind of lucky, you know? Wow. You know, you didn't just go to Africa, though. Also, you went to Thailand and there were, was there any other countries in the, because I think, I think in the film it was only a few African countries in Thailand that you showed for memory, but was there other countries in there as well? Yeah, um, so the countries we traveled to were South Africa, Mozambique, Tanzania, Thailand, um, and then returning we went to San Francisco in the U.S. Um, yeah. So those five were there stories that you filmed that you didn't put in like was there a hard choice kind of who do we put in who don't we because you can't you can't have a thousand minute documentary you know I'm sure you Ken Burns style (laughs) (laughs) um well yeah no we had 
we had about 30 filmed interviews. We chose seven, um, which is a lot to wind down. Um, I, you know, I chose based on kind of the amount of time we were able to spend with people allowed me to really develop a a story versus, um, I mean, I want, sorry, I'll backtrack and say like, I didn't have a structural idea for how the film was going to be put together when I went out. So it was just going out and collecting material. Um, So perhaps I thought that I might use kind of interviews, just, just plain on plain old interviews to interspersed throughout the film but it became more so about the people that I was able to spend a lot of time with and get to know and get to know their work um and you know we have a bunch of um clips at the end of the documentary of some of the interviews that didn't get to be shared in the film yeah um and so yeah it was it was tough but I realized it would be more compelling um to have a more immersive experience with people mm you know, yeah, yeah. audience could connect with better. Yeah. Well, you might have to make a part two or you want to do a whole heap of YouTube clips or something. But yeah. It's just, but what what an amazing experience, you know, you know, and, and um I just think I think it's brave. I do think it's brave, you know, because um I, I you know and you went out deliberately to focus on the good and not the bad you know but at the yeah. same time you've got to be also aware you know you've got to be con- safety conscious and but I, I think what an experience I think it's amazing and it's been um screened 60 plus times and won 30 awards so this isn't just a you know crappy little documentary this is you know fantastic like 30 <laughs> awards that's it's you know that's amazing and I just think it's wonderful. And when you 60 screenings, like you just said, you went to South Africa to screen. So have these been screened in a lot of places all over the world? And Yeah. Um, so the 60, the 60 festivals that we've screened at have, have, you know, screened at the film festivals themselves. I believe sometimes there might've been multiple showings at each film festival. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're continuing to do to this day and focus on, um, is educational screening. So we, you know, at the Global Sunrise Project and also I as a director really believe in the power of the afterlife of the film. Um, yeah. There are some filmmakers who are of the belief that, you know, once you create the media, it's up to the audience. Like some people think that, you know, the meaning is up to to the viewer or consumer of art. But I also think that, you know, you can lose momentum to create so much potential positive change if you just let people see it and then let them move on. Um, so with educational screenings at high schools, universities, and sometimes elementary schools actually really love uh, filming it with primary or screening it with primary school kids. Um, we do a screening and then we'll go hopefully most often into a workshop. Um, about how they can contribute to social justice issues that they see in their own communities. And so, oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, it's been a really great um, enriching experience for me seeing the mm. ways people are starting to think about making social change. Um, but also hopefully it's an enriching experience for the for the young people who are watching the film and getting to, to do the workshop. 
yeah, and it makes them realise that they can, they also can make a difference, and and that um, they don't like you don't have to be bombarded with the negative news all the time. Well, <laughs> well, they do because we don't control that. But you know, I mean, you can turn that off and then change the narrative and start start doing good. But and you 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 took a ton of photos on this trip, and you've turned it into a coffee table book. You know, you know, of um, that would be an amazing. Amazing. Is it available for sale, that book? I believe we we have the we have it on Amazon. Um yeah. the version at least. Um yeah, we're still figuring out um there's been some logistical stuff with you know the printers, but um right now it is available on Amazon in ebook format, which is not quite the same, but we do hope to get it out um in the the solid tangible format. <laughs> And it's so expensive, like picture books, uh, photo books are so expensive, you know, and um, that's it. So is it called The Sunrise Storyteller as the book um, or is it? Reflections of the Sunrise Storyteller, um, okay. a journey into the heart as a global citizen, I believe is the sub subtitle. Yeah. Okay, well, go and have a look for that if you, because what what an amazing, and and so you you know you got this background of um, photography, and you've also got all these. Uh, fo- well, you've had one. I'm going to say all these photographic e- exhibitions. I'm making it sound like that's all you do all the time, but you've had two major ones. Like I'm sure you've had a, a stack of smaller ones, but two major ones. Um, so we've done previous photo exhibits. Um, there's been multiple in you know Toronto, New York, Portland. Um, we did one really major um, at really major um, photo exhibit called Picture 16, uh, which was in France at this huge educational wow. expo. Uh, so we had thousands of students coming in and seeing our photo exhibit as part of the greater um, the greater educational exhibit um, and got students thinking about peace um, and talking about peace and what it means to them, what the goal, what the goal 16 uh, for the sustainable development goals really looks like um, at a practical level. So um, we aren't currently running any more photo exhibits at the moment, but that is definitely, that's definitely been one of our great successes, I think. Yeah. Well, I think it's absolutely fantastic. Like you, you're so lucky, you know, because, and I know it's not luck, it's a lot of hard work, but there are so many people who don't know what their passions are, Do you, you know, and they're, they're, they spend their life, you know, getting to my age, you know, and like, I don't know what I'm passionate about. So it's so wonderful that you know what you're passionate about and that you're actually, you're able to use it to make a difference and you can see a tangible difference. You know, you can actually see things changing around you as a result of you putting your passions out. The, I think that's that's incredible. You know, there's so many people who would, um, well, this would be envious, you know, would be, would be wishing that they were in your shoes. But I've also got to go on to say that they could. You know, it's just a matter of um, pushing a little bit harder and, and believing in yourself. But I'll get to that because I'm going to ask you that question when we get to the end. Now, anyway, you've... Um, so, and all your ton of awards, and you've got tons of awards. You're a member of so many renowned global organizations, you know, and you're an active member. You're not just sort of someone who says I am, but you, you're actually move, doing things to make a better world. Is, is there any one of these that you, you couldn't have seen coming? In your wildest of dreams, you know, you're just kind of like, oh, my God, oh, I nominated for that award. I, I won that award. That just 
was never on my scope of vision in the future. What's really surprised you? Um, I would say one of the most surprising or, you know, major kind of awards or, you know, experiences was um, being nominated and receiving a Diana Award. Uh, That is, um, you know, honoring the legacy of Princess Diana um, and her, you know, her dedication to service of service of others, kindness, compassion, and, and all of those values that she is so famous for embodying. Um, And so receiving that award was a really prestigious, you know, really prestigious title. um, But, you know, also just, it was very validating, obviously, but, um, Mm. you know, it just shows that people also believe in this work and the mission of what we're doing at the Global Sunrise Project. Um, Big dream. I've always looked up to her um, growing up. So it's nice to know that hopefully my work is carrying forward that legacy. Oh, I think that's fantastic. And you've also got the Kim Fook Award, you know, and she's the, um, uh, the, the young woman who, well, the the napalm, you know, there's the images of her, you know, running naked up the road to all these uh, US soldiers. I think they were US soldiers, you know, when the big napalm, you know, bomb went off and everybody remembers that, you know, and you you, you got to interview her and speak with her and she's another one actually that's so forgiving of, uh, of what happened to her and uh, even just talking to her, what a blessing didn't what a what an incredible wow she is wow. such an incredibly kind soul um yeah and she is you know so generous and loving and you know when I went to interview her I expected her to you know give me maybe 30 45 minutes but she was so gracious with her time and she sat with me for over two hours and we just talked and talked and talked and you know I'm really I'm really honored to have gotten to include her in the film as well because yeah. it's is such a core issue for me or such a core value of mine and such also a core issue for me um and so getting to share her story is I think the most wonderful embodiment of of that of that um yeah. of that piece of that peace being peace yeah yeah there's some credible people in the world, and, and you know, you also have been at the United Nations 11, 11 times. I mean, when you were a kid, you know, you were at that at that school, and you were being picked on for wearing thrift clothes. Were you ever? Did it ever cross your mind? I'm sure it didn't. But did or did you ever dream of one day I'm going to be in the UN and I'm going to go more than ten times? Did that ever cross your mind? I don't. Think so. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I really. Prior to this, I don't know if I ever had like the highest ambitions for myself. Like I had high, like I always wanted to help others, but I never would have imagined myself being in really high places or, you know, doing work at a global scale. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's a dream. It's more than a dream because I wasn't actually able to dream it when I was a kid. I just didn't, yeah, didn't think about it. I always work with leaders and I say, you know, imagine I have this this thing that is my core thing is to help people to believe in possibilities beyond their current perceived reality. Do you know? And, and I absolutely love that because we 
we put such limits on ourselves, do you know, and I'm just a person, I'm just from, for you, just from Canada, you know, I'm just from a small town, I'm just from, you know, this sort of stuff, and we we see these people who do great things as, well, they must have something special, do you know, that's not me, do you know, and we put these lids on ourselves, and I loved asking question, the question of people, well, what, what is possible? What is possible? And once you start thinking about that, it's kind of like, wow, you know, I've really been capping myself, you know, this. Oh, oh, I think it's absolutely bloody fantastic. I, lo- I love what you're doing. I, I, I get so excited doing these interviews because I get to interview the most spectacular people in the world and I, I absolutely, absolutely can't get enough. And, how you know, like your mum absolutely believes in you. She, she, she's got your back. Like, you know, how important is that to have that person who believes in you because, some people live in toxic environments, you know, and they try to get validation from family or friends who keep putting them down and that sort of stuff. And, you know, I'm always saying you've got to find that person who believes. How important do you think it is? Um, I think it's, you know, it's important to find one person who believes in you, but sometimes that even in itself can be a privilege. And so... Mm. I sometimes say that if you can be the one person who believes in yourself, um, you're just as unlimited as, you know, finding one outside source of validation. Um, But it is really, it's not to be underestimated, the power of, you know, finding community and finding those people who really support what you do and support who you are. Um, So both can be true and both should, I think, exist at the same time. It's like yeah. being that one person regardless, but also, you know, being able to have one person is is so valuable. Mm, I like that. I like that being you being you being yourself, being the main supporter. And because I think that, you know, I've, I've had that throughout my life. Not I've not come from a bad family or anything, but, you know, having that own self-belief is that's the thing you know that's the thing that gets you up every single day without having to have the validation of others but then if you've got that one person and then if you've got a community do you know like being part as we talked before being part of the groups that actually really lift you up you're unstoppable you're absolutely unstoppable if you can get that oh, yeah so you've just got making this new documentary 1.5 degrees of peace and um, what what does that mean? One point five degrees of peace. Um, so the title kind of refers to the IPCC um, International Panel Convention on Climate um, reports that you know state that we can't go above one point five degrees of warming um, uh, if we're going to have a livable climate. Um, mm. And, you know, the film, the film looks at how peace and climate justice are really more connected than we think, whether it's, you know, in the form of inner peace, whether it's in the form of an absence of conflict, whether it's, you know, how climate change con- contributes to a lack of peace. Like there are so many ways that the two issues interact with each other. And I really wanted to, through this film, highlight the ways that young people are bridging those two issues and movements um, and how we can combine our efforts to create both peace and climate justice uh, for present and future generations. Um, Because I think that the peace issue has been lacking from the climate conversation. 
how we're going to create climate justice. Um, so I really think that we need to start thinking about it more. So 1.5 degrees of peace is the bridge between the two. Wow. And that's actually, you. as you were saying it, I was thinking, hmm, I hadn't, I hadn't actually connected the two. I mean, I'm a big proponent for peace and a big proponent for climate change, but I had, I had not bridged the two either. So what, what, that's going to be a very important documentary for people to watch. And your mum's the producer. I love that because now you've, yeah. you've dragged her into a whole new career, but she's yeah. obviously good at it. Or, or uh, you know, maybe that was a hidden talent for your mum that, you know, yeah. she overlooked and then you kind of, you know, forced that out. And I think, I think we've all, we're all born with some incredible talent that we often don't even know exists until there becomes a catalyst, you know, and, and it springs out of us. But you've also got Liz Marshall, who's the executive producer, and, you know, um, a friend of mine, Joanne MacArthur, you know, made the film The Ghost in the Machine. And, uh, you know, Liz was a producer for, well, I, I don't know, producer or executive, I think producer, but regardless, um, she, and that was the first time she said she's made a lot of, you know, human rights films, but um, that was the first time she'd ever seen uh, animal abuse to that degree and, you know, it really really impacted her but she's she's been around in that you know the the social social justice um arena for a long time so you've got it you've got a real nice um crew there for that next film <laughs> we're starting to build out a team and I'm, I'm very happy Liz has been you know she's been very active in a mentorship and you know yeah producing role and I'm inspired by the work that she does as a filmmaker, activist filmmaker as well. So, you know, it's it's really great to have not just one person, but two people, people who believe me on board and, you know, my editors and um, and composer. So, you know, we're starting to gear up for production um, and we I actually just got the footage off to my editor to produce the demos. So. Um, hopefully that'll be, we'll be able to share that with, um, this audience and the global audience very soon. Um, yeah, so that's very exciting. Oh, fantastic. Is that what you're going to intend to do for the rest of your life? You know, use your arts to, to create peace. Is that what you're hoping to do forever? I, I hope so. I really, I, it's the best place I can see myself making an impact, um, so yeah, I'd be lucky if I if I continue on this trajectory, um, yeah, making impact through media. Yeah, I'm not going to hold you to it. We're not going to you know uh, make a big deal in 20 years. Uh, you know, well, Kasia said, and uh, you know, she <laughs> broke her promise. But <laughs> and, uh, it, it would be wonderful if you could. You know, that that would be wonderful because it's always nice to be um, doing work that you're truly passionate about and your, your talents are really immersed in. But at the same time, you know, we all change our mind or we all, all new new opportunities appear to us and we think, wow, that's really feeding my soul at the moment, you know, and I think um, we're allowed to move, we're allowed to move around a bit, you know, as long as our big vision is the same and that is to make a better world, you know, or that is to, 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 to create peace or to instigate thoughts of peace at least, you, you know, it's a, I know you can't create peace on your own, but if we're not out there banging the hammer and raising awareness, you know, everybody, you know, nothing's ever going to change because we need it to be a movement. And, um, but I, 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 God, I love, I love you, Catch. I love what you're doing. You're just, you're, you're so inspiring. You're so, um, 
you know, you're soft. I was going to say energetic because you kind of know it. you're just this soft, gentle soul. That you know, and I'm the one that's all rah rah rah. <laughs> but but you've just got this, you know, beautiful. Um, it, it's it's almost like a stubborn, I want <laughs> determined kind of this this definite um, powerful energy that just sits quietly and determined. Do you know? And you can feel it through the screen. And I, you know, I, the world needs more of that. I'm a very rah rah person, and the world needs a lot more people who just sit solid and and just chip away at change. <laughs> you, you know, but um, I think we need all of us to be honest. You know, on, on the same wagon, and you just you you're amazing. But anyway, I've loved this. I've got to ask you a big question. It's not really a big question, but it's, you know, it's in here for anyway. This podcast is Get Off the Bench and it's to inspire people to take action. So what advice would you give somebody who maybe feels that they're too young or that they don't have any experience in something they would love to do to change the world? Um, my advice would be you can get experience by doing and that's the only way that you will get it get experience you don't need to be qualified to start obviously I wasn't uh qualified by any means and I just gave it a shot and learned and you know you can always learn along the way as long as you're open to learning then you will go far I think yeah, I love that too. And I love that, that that you don't have to be qualified. You know, I don't have any degrees. I've done all of my projects without any, starting with any money, to, you know, and I think that sometimes we get overwhelmed and we think, oh, it has to be a professional who's got a degree in something and who's got a stack of money behind them and we get a little bit intimidated by that. And I think we need to let go of that crap because every single person in the world has got power every single person so I love that you're saying that and it's get started yeah that's one thing I say we get off the bench just take the first step you know and if you if you mark it up you mark it up just just get moving because you will never get anywhere unless you take that first step you absolutely you, you can't you can't drive unless you turn the key of that damn car so yeah, <laughs> get going but, <laughs> oh I, I've loved sorry you're gonna say something get moving wake up everybody <laughs> get off the bench <laughs> but uh, I, I have absolutely loved this I'm sure there's going to be people that want to follow you and have check it out and everything just just follow you have a look you know just start getting on your journey supporting you just I don't know I, I love this where can people find you um well our that sorry our website <laughs> globalsunriseproject.com our other website 1.5 degrees of peace dot com i will yeah i've got that right um That's and right, yeah. we've got instagram and twitter at global sunrisers um those are the best places and of course like through our other websites like through our websites you can find all the social media and all the other you know sub sub layers of websites and 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 ways <laughs> to connect with us there's a lot of them but those are the <laughs> There, there is a lot of them. I've actually got a big list here, and you've missed the um, website, the Sunrise Storyteller. Yeah. So um, I'm going to put all these in the show notes anyway. Yeah. But even if you just start, as as Kasia said, if you just go and look at one, you know, it sort of trickles down into all these other sub websites, and it is really hard to just bang everything on one website. You know, I've I've got multiple because it's just it's it's impossible just to you know crash everything together, but. 
Um, Instagram, you know, Facebook and all that kind of stuff, Twitter, but also um, LinkedIn. So Kasia Sequoia so Slavna, if you um, want to connect with Kasia and she is just a gem, an absolute beautiful, beautiful song. Oh, and there's also the YouTube, go and, go and watch that YouTube clip, Mission Possible. That is fantastic. I think you were six, 19, I think you were when you when you did. See, I got that age right, see? And I'm not going back to re-record the start. No. That, that was a lot of mouthfuls in that. That was. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> totally no. understood. <laughs> oh, but this has been fantastic and I'm just, I'm so grateful, so grateful for your time and, you know, I've, I've talked to you on, I've, you know, been on many Zooms with you, but um, we've never had this opportunity to sit and chat for an hour. But it's just, um, you, you're an absolute blessing to this world. You really are. And I'm so pleased to be in the same, uh, you know, world changing community as you. So I feel really privileged. Thank you so much. It has been so much fun to chat with you as well. Thank you so much. See ya. See ya. Oh, wow. I'll tell you what, I I am absolutely blown away with Kasha, you know, and it's not because I think that it's impossible, you know, or unbelievable what she's doing. I think it's perfectly possible and believable. It's just that I get so damn excited and so inspired when I see anybody taking, taking I don't know, stepping up and making a difference. But when someone's so young and has this view of the world that, you know, we can just go out and do stuff and we can make change. And, and the fact that she's living her passions, oh, man, so often I hear that, oh, you know, that's just for some people. No, it's for everybody. If we just got to find what we're passionate about and get out there and connect it to something that we care about, that we want to change about the world, and we can make a massive difference. Oh, you know, what is it, that thing that you think, oh, I'd love to change, I'd love to um, contribute to, I'd love to have an impact, you know, just, just to make a little bit of difference. And we don't have to save the world. We just have to put our, I've said it a thousand times, put our piece of the puzzle in the puzzle and, you know, amplify our little space. So much can change in the world if we all just do our little bit. But Anyway, I love this. Please go follow Kasha. Um, there are so many websites and so many Facebook pages and all that kind of stuff. Please look in the show notes. But at the very minimum, look up the globalsunriseproject.org and you can link to all these other sites from there. But, um, you know, please support her. This has been fantastic. And thank you guys for supporting me as you do every week. And, um That's it, and I'll bring somebody spectacular again next week. So see you then. See ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.